Being an expert sucks. As a teacher of spiritual intelligence and emotional health, I get cornered into being the guy who has all the answers. I'd like to take this opportunity to make a confession. I don't. What I do have are convictions. I have theories. I have questions. I find myself looking around and I'm like, we can't stay here. Stop setting up your tent. We can't stay here. Through my journey, it's become evident that being a participant is no longer enough. It's time to become reformers. These are my confessions. To get deeper in this conversation, visit MikeMayashiro.com. You guys, today I want to talk about uh, the Discerning Spirits AMT. So obviously, Discerning Spirits is a subject that I am passionate about, that I teach on, that I practice quite a bit, and it's something that I instill in my team. Like, it's an essential piece to us successfully navigating how we do things together and all that. It's a big deal. If there's any kind of branding out there that, you know, I feel like I've, you know, put a lot of effort behind, it's this. I don't know that I meant for that to happen at first, but then it obviously became a thing. Anyway, um, so I want to go back and just talk briefly about where this came from. So going through first and second year, I had a friend and then also consequently friends around us who realized that discernment was such a big deal and that there were things in the spirit realm that we were aware of that were affecting our social life, our emotions, our choices, the way we navigate our day-to-day living. And so as we got more intentional about those things, we started kind of tr- like developing in a very primitive way our own like vernacular on how we talk about the way things play out. And so I took that, the grassroots experience from that as a student and was like, this is a big deal. And when I experienced personal radical transformation and breakthrough after those two years, I came back to my friend and was like, this is a big deal. People don't know these things and this changes people's lives. If people could understand this stuff, it would change the world. I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm not just being one of those people that just throws it around. I'm serious. We need to teach people this. And she was like, yeah. And I think she wanted that too. I think she was afraid of how badly she wanted it. But I was like, I don't care what it takes, what we have to do. This has to happen. Like we owe this to the world for them to know this stuff. Um, Big deal. And again, I'm not being dramatic. Like I'm totally serious. And I still feel that way. I still feel that way. Um, and so anyway, fast forward, I'm working at Bethel, I'm getting involved to BSSM, I wanted to continue to contribute to that space, and I'm working with um, the head of second year, and he's like, okay, what do you want to do? And we eventually get to this place in the journey where I'm like, I want to teach. I would like to have a place where I could teach or whatever. He's like, okay, what do, what do you want to teach? I was like, um, well, I guess I want to teach two classes. I want to teach Roommates 101, and I want to teach Discerning Spirits. He's like, great, write up a syllabus, let me know. And I was like, okay. So I went home and typed up a seven-week course for both. Like, here's what I'd want to teach, here's why, blah, 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 scriptural references, subject, whatever. It wasn't super fleshed out, but, you know, there was definitely effort in in there. I sent it to him and then didn't hear back for, like, a month and then two months. And the school's going to start in, like, three weeks. I was like, oh, I guess it's not going to happen. And I sent an email. I was like, hey, anything? And then his doesn't told me that she'd get back to me, but I never did. And then, like, three weeks before the school – or, sorry – um, school had started and I was like, okay, I guess it's not going to happen. It's a bummer. Well, it was, you know, it was, I'm glad that he even just considered it. That was cool. I wish he would have told me no. Like that would have been nice just to hear. And then like, I remember AMTs were probably going to start in like three weeks. I didn't know that until I got an email from his assistant with this whole like curriculum schedule. And by the way, those of you listening who don't know what AMT is, an AMT at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry is an advanced ministry training, basically an elective where a course instructor will pick a subject or a topic and teach on that specific aspect of supernatural Christianity, if you will. Um, and so I was proposing teaching on roommate life and teaching on discerning the gift of discerning of spirits. So I get this email and it says something about trimester one classes, class schedule, or whatever. And I was like, what? And it says that I have a classroom and I have a certain amount of students signed up and that I'm going to be teaching on this day at this time. And I was like, wait, what? And so you replied, I was like, wait, are you, 
sorry, I'm just, is this like a mock-up or like, it says that I have a class and is it, am I teaching this? She's like, oh yeah, sorry, did Gabe not tell you? And I was like, no. She's like, oh yeah, sorry, uh, can you, can you still do this? I was like, yeah, I can do it, thank you, oh my gosh. And I was like, I gotta prepare because I was not preparing. <laughs> so I had like a couple weeks to just put my stuff together. So I went to town and made it happen and that was several years ago. And so anyway, I remember the first year I taught discerning spirits, I had 135 students in my class. I, when I taught roommates 101, I had 12 students in my class. It was a great class and all the students loved it. I had great, intense, positive feedback from it because obviously there's a lot of discerning spirit stuff in that. But because of the numbers, the next year they were like, hey, we'd love for you to teach discerning spirits again. Let's drop the roommates class. It's not really. I was like, all right. Um, so anyway, the next year I taught discerning spirits twice and the next year I taught it twice again. Then I taught it three times. I don't know. It's just continued to grow. Um, and so anyway, the reason I wanted to, to throw this in there was um, when I started teaching discerning spirits, that's when I started also becoming more visible to the BSSM environment, right? And so I had two interns the first year I was taking third year students or interns. And that was the same year I taught discerning spirits for the first time. And then two of my interns for the next year came from that AMT. And then three of them came from people I already had a relationship with. And then since then, from there... I continued to have people apply for my internship, probably primarily from the discerning spirits class, but also from my Japan mission trip that I was leading. And so that's where like my, um, my intern poll started to come from was people that were familiar with and like engaging with that kind of stuff in my world, which is super cool because these are things that I care about, right? And I'm passionate about. And so teaching the discerning spirits class was so interesting. I remember I met with, um, another pastor in our environment and he was like, Dude, that's going to get a lot of students. I was like, really? Why? He's like, because it's such an interesting subject that nobody's teaching. You're going to get a lot of weirdos. And I was like, oh. He's like, yeah, you just better be prepared to like, clean up some messes. And I was like, oh my, what? What are you talking about? And I, I, mean, I, feel very, I feel very new to the whole subject. And the reason that I wanted to teach this class was because I, no one else was teaching it. I wasn't seeing like any content out there talking to people about how to like practically govern yourself as a feeler, as a seer, as a knower, whatever labels or titles we put on people. And also how do you navigate these things in your relationships with people? How do you like establish healthy and appropriate, what we're going to call boundaries that are governed by the spirit of love and trust and hope, not self-protection and fear and control. Right. And like, how do you navigate this stuff with this discerning spirit thing happening? There's so many of us running around picking things up from people. We don't want to know things that are uncomfortable or awkward to know, or that like come with, you know, accountability or responsibility. And it just feels like we're set up for failure because we've never been shown. How do you navigate this stuff? And so I was thrown in the deep end and just had to like practice and learn this on the streets. Like freaking Aladdin. I was a street rat. Just like trying it out. Oh God, I think you do this. (laughs) And, um, got a lot of success. I mean, I remember I experienced a lot of amazing transformation in my journey in relationships and my own identity. When I started realizing that I knew stuff, and that what I knew was real, and that if I treated it accordingly and found ways to serve people with this knowledge, it could transform relationships. It could change the power of the connection you have with them. Um, and so I lost some friends along the way because of it, because some people don't want that level of accountability. Some people don't want to have to govern themselves. They don't want to be disciplined or self-restrained or in control in certain areas, particularly in their humor, in their codependence, in their... Um, getting their needs met. Like in these areas, people want to be out of control. They want to just like feel good. They don't want to have to discipline that stuff and like learn and like allow structure to be built. Um, I remember um, initially like going into this whole thing, 
I, when I started becoming aware that this was on my life and that I knew this stuff and when it started becoming real to me, when it wasn't just like a, a, an idea or something fun to think about, when it was like, oh God, this is happening and it's been happening my whole life and this is why these things happen in my life, why people respond to me like this, why I have this kind of authority in relationships or whatever. It's because of this. It's not the only reason, but it's a main contributing factor. When I started getting very sober about this and realizing this is actually happening, first of all, that's super cool, but there was this like responsibility and weightiness that came with it and I was like, shoot. If this is legitimately how the Lord has empowered me to influence other people, I don't get to make jokes like this anymore. I don't get to be flipping about these things. I don't get to use this gift to pull these things out of people and like make light of it. Like that's not appropriate because what I'm touching is real and that stuff actually hits their heart and this is not me caring for them. And so I had to like make a choice to sacrifice on some level. It sounds more negative than it actually was, but I had to shift how I even socially interacted at parties and in groups and like just talking to humans. I'm like, this is... This sucks. Like, this feels really unfair. Like, no one else is having to, like, demonstrate this kind of restraint, especially at my age with the people I was running with. Like, no one else is doing this. But that was, like, I think my experience most of my life was, like, having to find, like, restraint in areas that other people didn't have to think about because they weren't sensitive or aware of these dynamics, right? And so that was definitely a sacrifice early on that I felt like, man, this is scary because I remember legitimately when I considered not using my gift to pull on people's insecurities and like introduce mockery to the thing and just have fun, not against the person, but about the thing I felt legally like my conscience felt clean at being able to do that. But I had some friends in my life who were aware of what was happening and did not feel the same way. Um, and so I had to make some negotiations there. And I remember a sacrifice I had to make was if I stop using this material and I stop being funny in this way, will people even like me? Will I actually even have any friends? Will people have any value for me being around? Will they pursue me? I legitimately didn't know. I thought I would lose people. I wouldn't have friends anymore. Like apparently I had my identity wrapped up in this thing. I didn't realize it was so entrenched. And so I remember like having to make this choice. Like if I lose all of my friends and no one pursues me anymore and I actually don't have any connection, which makes me feel like I don't actually, I'm not loved, which felt like high stakes to me. If that happens, is this still worth it? And I had to get along with the Lord and I had to get really like honest. And I was like, legitimately i want to follow the lord i want love and truth to rule in my life and so even if this costs me i trust that god will take care of me and he'll find a way to help me crawl out of the black hole that i fall into and the ashes that i that become who i am like i have to obey him and when i know that this is going on i can't just like continue to pretend like i don't know any better and so i was like okay i'm gonna make this sacrifice i'm scared this sucks i don't know what's gonna happen and i braced myself and i restrained and remember there were several moments where i was at parties Something, someone said something awkward. It was uncomfortable. It was coming from a weird place. And in the room, it hit everybody. And everyone just like, didn't know what to do with it. And I remember I usually would just like grab that thing and like spin it around and hit it against the wall. And we'd all laugh and it would move. We'd get to move on. I used that stuff as material to like build a foundation that I could stand on where people recognize like I was fun and I was someone that they'd want to follow and they'd want to let me speak and that kind of thing. Like that would just happen all the time. I remember <laughs> one of the first times that happened and I had to consciously choose to say nothing. And it felt like dying. I was like, oh, this is awkward, and I could so fix this right now. I could save all of us, and I'm not going to. Oh, this is horrible. And I just sat in it, silent. It was awful. And we clunkily moved on. We pretended like it didn't happen, and people just kind of like forget, like let it go. And I was like, wow, that was painful. And then it happened again, and it happened again, and I continued to just not be the guy who would get in there and ringmaster this thing. I'm like, oh. And it felt like dying, but... What I could not have anticipated and what I have to tell you from experience and anybody that's on that side of this journey, let me tell you what you'll find on the other side if you actually follow the Lord in this. The kinds of people 
that started wanting to be around me changed. Back then, I had a lot of insecure, needy people hanging out with me. We all laughed our heads off, had a lot of fun together, but we were bonding on a lot of insecurity and like not knowing who we were and like bonding in the rejection and whatever. And it wasn't overt or obvious. In my mind, it didn't, that wasn't the case. But outside of my own delusion, some friends in my life were like, dude, what's the deal? Why are you hanging out with these people? I'm like, what do you mean? And they would make these people sound like they're terrible people and they weren't. It's like, I'm not saying they're terrible people. I'm saying what you're bonding with them over and what happens to you when you leave them is, ugh. I'm like, what? And so I didn't really understand that back then. Anyway, slowly over time, like it took a few months, I started feeling more in control of myself. I started realizing when people did choose me, it wasn't because of what I did. It was because of who I was. I was like, oh my gosh, they value me in spite of like what I contribute. Interesting. And that started becoming something I could depend on. Like, there's love for who I am, not for what I do in this respect, right? And that felt very bolstering and securing and safe. And then the quality of people that started wanting to spend time with me and the th- people that started to invite me to stuff, I was like, whoa, and my association drastically improved. Like, improved is probably the wrong word. Like, upgraded. Like, the quality of people. The people, like, I started hanging out with people who loved themselves and had respect for themselves and other people and, you know, had, like, self-restraint and, like, wouldn't just tolerate anything in their environment. And there was like, you had to qualify, if you will, to be in that space, not to earn it, but to demonstrate you're going to uphold things that are valuable and you're not just going to break things or whatever. And apparently I was just kind of a Neanderthal up to that point. And I was like, whoa, there's a whole different part to this that I wasn't aware of that I couldn't see before. And it wasn't until I laid down the thing that I was relying on and depending on to make sure that I was acceptable or okay or whatever. There was a whole new world to this. And I was like, whoa, and everything started changing from that, like, from just discovering the crack in the wall there, I got to bust into this whole new arena and I got to continue to explore dynamics and possibilities and it's just only increased ever since. And there's such a testing period in that whole discerning spirit thing where you let go of agreements you've made with things that aren't good for you, that aren't coming from God, that open you up to aspects of the Lord that weren't available, quote unquote, to you before because of what you had already said yes to. Transformational. So teaching this AMT was such a, definitely an undertaking because I wasn't sure what to expect from the students. And when people came to my class, they were so intrigued. They were so stimulated. They loved it. And they left with more questions than they came in with knowledge. Like, they were so much more curious at the end of the class and wanted so much more from me. I'm like, I'm sorry. I got to go. I don't know what to tell you. And so I spent the last several years creating verbiage and concepts and curriculum and content for people to sink their teeth into to just explore this dynamic in this arena, to bring competency and understanding in this place where the discerning spirit thing, discerning spirits thing can become a practice and a lifestyle and something that actually supports authentic connection and relationships, not ignorance and clunkiness and agreeing with things that aren't good and whatever. Um, So I believe in a world where accountability is real, not based on anybody's subjective opinion, but based on our relationship with the truth who rules all of us. He is reality. And we can actually rightly relate to him, which sets us free and empowers us to live with self-control and love and affection and intimacy and trust in a way that's empowering and good and life-giving, not abusive, dysfunctional, you know, all the other weird stuff that comes without rightly dividing the word of truth, if you will. Anyway, so it's an adventure for sure. I'm still teaching this class. Um, continuing to refine the content and just get, I think, better and better at presenting this and learning how to approach them. I remember the first time we did this this class, I invited a friend of mine to come speak at the first class with me. It just It felt appropriate to christen this thing with this person that had been so influential in my life in this subject. And the reaction to that 
was so volatile. Like I remember she said some things that made people very afraid and uncomfortable and they were not happy. And they came up to both of us. We both had lines of students and several people with my friend were just very combative and like antagonistic toward her. And just like, I think they felt really threatened and things were getting triggered in them. Um, part of that's because the anointing she carries and part of it I think was because of the way things were presented and it put them in a position that felt really disempowered and maybe threatened or whatever and so learning how to like talk about these dynamics without people having to be threatened or feel super insecure right that has been a learning curve for sure a confession I want to make about this subject is people often when they find new insight into something that made sense like I hear people tell me all the time when I'm traveling and speaking and teaching this class like you're saying things I never heard before. Um, I've never felt so understood in a class or in a message or in a service or whatever. You're, you're describing my whole life. I remember I had one of my inter- interns uh, last year was super resentful and annoyed when people would say that to me. He could hear them tell me. He'd be there in person witnessing them say, you're explaining my whole life. And he's like, God, these people are so dramatic. Why is everyone saying this? And blah, blah. He felt like it was so obnoxious and inauthentic. And then one day I was doing a, like a Skype session with the home group from Expression 58 somewhere in California. Oh God, I think they're in Pasadena, maybe. I don't know. I don't remember. Anyway, a different church. And he was in the room and I was like teaching these people. And again, like at the end of it, they were like, oh my gosh, yeah, you're explaining things I never heard before. You're like explaining my whole life. That's totally me. And, blah, blah. and he was like, afterward, we had, ended, we had ended the session and we were just debriefing as a team. And he was like, yeah, I hear people say this to you. And it's like, it's like funny and weird. And he just let it go. He had confessed that to me a week prior as well. And then somewhere in the middle of our debrief of that time, I mentioned him, hey, that's discernment in your life. He's like, what do you mean? I described in spe- like specifically the nuanced way that he navigates discernment and how he practices it and uses it. And he was like, oh my gosh, that's discernment? And I was like, yeah. He's like, wait, that's happened my whole life. Wait, you're describing what I've been doing my whole life. And I was like, what did you just say? <laughs> and he was like, oh no. And then he busted up laughing and he laughed for a good 45 seconds. I'm not exaggerating. A good 45 seconds laughed so hard. The rest of us were like awkwardly uncomfortable just sitting there watching him. We're like, and we'd kind of laugh every once in a while because it was so absurd, but it, like he was having a moment by himself. We we're like, uh, this is happening. He's like, I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe this. I guess I get it. And then ever since then, he's been respectful and appreciative and understanding of people's journeys and like why they respond um, but it was just funny to see his little like navigation of that thing. Um, anyway, so this is a, a class that I teach multiple times a year in BSSM. And then also I teach workshops. Um, at, like I'm heading to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho in a couple months. We're doing a workshop, workshop on this. We're going to be teaching Discerning Spirits the workshop. And um, just like teaching people how to engage this content, how to learn how to partner with this gift, understand it better. What are some tools and strategies we can use to partner with this thing and use it in a way that's going to be constructive and life-giving and produce fruit that remains. I think this class is also part of the reason I had to create this podcast to begin with is because I got hoisted into this position of expert and like authority on the, on the, the subject. I'm like, whoa, 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 this is not, I don't think this is appropriate. Like, yeah, I've got stuff to say and I think what I'm saying is true and valuable, but I don't think I'm the guy, you know what I mean? I think I'm just somebody on the journey that has answers that are helpful and I'm able to communicate them and I'm willing to do the work of articulating this stuff for it to be constructive. So I, I get why it's happening. It's just like, I don't want to, step off the throne and I would like to just yeah, be a fellow journeyman in this whole thing and maybe just have a little more experience in the thing. That's fine. But like not an expert, right? So just getting to navigate that thing has been so interesting and definitely a journey for sure. And I also have people come up to me afterwards often. They're like, can you discern what's in me? Discern my life. Tell me what spirits are operating in my life. I'm like, whoa. And I remember the first couple times I was like, uh, I remember I just like grabbed a couple things like I could tell you this, you could have that, but I was still like very uncomfortable and like didn't really want to do it. So now it's just a practice of mine when people do that. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm like, why not? 
And I found the reason is, by and large, the main motivation is when people come up and ask that question, the reason they're asking typically isn't because of the Lord. It's not because of love. It's not because they're inspired. It's typically because they're afraid or they want to control something or fix something or change something. And that motivation isn't coming from him. It's coming from, I want to control this. I want to change things. I want to whatever, right? And I don't want to feed into that. I can't support that that aim. And so there's that. And then the other secondary motivation is I'm a person. You know what I mean? Like I'm not some magic HR. Nope. I'm not some magic eight ball and not just me. Like people do this to other gifted people, right? I get it. But it's like, Hey, that boundary needs to be put in place. And so I guess one thing I want to throw out to other people who are discerning is like, yeah, when people tell you to just come and do the thing for them, use your gift to tell them stuff they want to know. Like you don't have to do it. Like you don't owe that to them. You're a person and they don't get to just pull that out of you. Like there's, you have a choice and there's freedom. And I want to like honor the, the free will you have to not give that to anybody ever again. You don't have to do this. It all should be coming as an overflow of love. It needs to be motivated from that place. So if you're being coerced or manipulated or whatever, like, I'm like, I'm not going to touch that. I don't want to give anything to that space. You know what I mean? Um, and so that's definitely been a, a learning curve I wasn't expecting to have to navigate, but it's been a recurring theme. Tell me what's on my life and you know everything. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. Let's not do either of these things, right? Um, and thank God humility shows up in our relationship with the Lord because it could be really easy to get drunk on power with this and, you know, like make this your identity and whatever because it's so fresh and unique and um, timely. Like I feel honored and privileged to get to be a voice on this matter in this time. Like it's time for this thing to take its place in the church and we're just, we've left a lot of things on the field that need to be in our hands. So I love getting to be a voice in that and getting to contribute and helping equip the saints for the work of ministry in this unique way especially. Um, But I... I pray and I'm hopeful that this will remain a privilege and an honor and not like an entitled thing that belongs to me and that I get to write my name all over and that people owe me stuff for, you know, like it's a gift. And so, yeah, it's a beautiful journey. I'm so grateful and excited to be on it. Listen, there's more where this came from. If you want to see how deep this rabbit hole goes, check out MikeMyashiro.com.